17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Welcome back, everybody, to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Baltimore Post Game Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan, here with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports on 105.7 The Fan, as well as the Ravens reporter. So we already talked about the win against the rival Steelers uh, in Sunday's game, 16-14. And so now we're starting to look, you know, into week 15. But let's talk about what they need to do moving forward. And obviously what you and I have talked about, Cordell, and we have beat this drum down to the ground, was that they needed to find some consistency in the run game. And on Sunday, it did look like they found their rhythm getting back J.K. Dobbins, who was phenomenal in his first game back. And it's crazy because he even admitted to himself that he's not even 100%, but looked really good. Um, in his first game back. And so we saw both J.K. as well as Gus Edwards average over five yards a carry against the number six run defense in the National Football League in the Steelers. We talked about this, you know, at nauseum. You know, the important thing to do down this stretch is to find a way to get the run game going. That will be what's going to keep you in games and or win football games. So, you know, do you think J.K. is the missing piece as to why they decided that running the football was relevant <laughs> again? If it, if that's the case, I do. Uh, let me just say, if that's the case, I think that's very silly because I think Kenyon Drake has done a good job um, over time in, in that regard. But do you think J.K. was the piece that said we're, we're going to, you know, run this football down the throat of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Possibly, you know, because J.K. gives them something that none of the other backs give them when he's at his best. He has a different type of explosion. Uh, he's great in one-cut situations. He sees gaps, and his his ability to jump in and out of gaps um, is second to none on his team. But the combination of him and Gus Edwards together is something that's really special. And we've seen that in the past. We haven't gotten to see it a lot. Uh, in Baltimore since they drafted J.K. Dobbins because when he was first drafted, Mark Ingram was still the guy. And then when they were ready to get the keys to J.K., he gets hurt for the year. So um, they haven't gotten to see much of it. But the small sample size that they do have of these two guys both being healthy and being in the backfield has been pretty good. Um, I don't know how how back J.K. Dobbins is. Now, 15 carries for a buck 20 and a touchdown – it sounds really good, um, but I don't. How, how sustainable is it? Can they can he do it again? Um, they're going up against a Cleveland team this week that they had pretty some pretty decent success running the ball against the first time that they played these guys. Uh, the first time that they played them, J.K. wasn't even available in that game, but Gus Edwards was, and Gus Edwards had 16 carries, 66 yards, and two touchdowns in that game. Uh, Lamar also 10 carries for 59 yards himself, but Justice Hill, five carries, 26 yards. So, I mean, again, you got multiple backs over five yards a carry. Um, we'll see if they can re repeat that type of success this Saturday against the Browns. But it was even more impressive, I think, that the Ravens were able to run the ball the way that they did, considering Kevin Zeigler wasn't on the field. They had a whole right guard rotation 
that they were going with. And Ben Cleveland was a part of that rotation. And Ben Cleveland hasn't been looked at as, you know, a, a real asset to this team in the past. But he's starting to show his weight in gold this year. They needed everybody in that offensive line room to step up at various points this season. And Ben Cleveland, when they have needed him to step up, he's been there for them. Um, so that that right guard spot was definitely impressive. The, the entire offensive line was impressive on Sunday against the Steelers. But the fact that they were out there without Kevin Zeitler was extremely impressive. Um, how long is Greg Roman going to stick with the run game? That's the really the biggest question here. Do they can will he stick with the run game when they're not popping forty plus yard runs? You know, is he going to stick with the run game when they're not getting six to seven yards a pop? That's that's what I want to know. I, I I haven't seen it to that point. The run game was extremely dominant on Sunday. Circumstances to the roster forced them to have to kind of stick with the run game. You weren't going to let Anthony Brown throw the ball all over the field late in the game. You weren't going to hopefully have Tyler Huntley throw the ball 30-plus times again uh, this week. So, you know, I, I think that they had no choice but to come into that game running the ball. Same situation this week. It looks like Anthony Brown's going to be the starting quarterback. Are you going to give him the run game he needs to make his life easier out there? Um, and again, it's important to see if they're going to stick with the run where they're not popping these big plays off um, because it's easy to keep calling them when when you know you're, you're a home run away. But when you've got to keep pounding at that defense's armor, um, are you going to stick with it, Greg Roman? He hasn't done a good job of that so far this year. This is yet another AFC North division rival uh, that he's going to have to take on this Saturday. So that uh, that in itself, again, may force him to run the ball again because that's just the way you win games in this division. Um, but I, 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 I do want to see how it plays out. I think you have to be consistent in running the ball, particularly now when you're in a quarterback uh, situation like you are where there's uncertainty there in terms of who's going to play and, and, you know, this, that, and the third. You have to give your quarterback some help in terms of, you know, play action or, you know, pass plays. If you have, you know, these guys thinking that they're going to run the football, that absolutely helps your quarterback situation. So, you know, I I, I don't think that Roman really has a choice, um, th- particularly this weekend, maybe down the stretch when Lamar comes back, if Lamar comes back. But I expect Lamar to be back at some point, right? This is a team that's in a playoff push. And that, you know, according to Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun, they have a 95% chance of making the playoffs. So that means that they'll be extended beyond the regular season. Um, But you have to be careful about, you know, going away from what you're good at. And whether that means Lamar is playing or not, even when he does come back, Cordell, they have to find a way to be consistent about this. And and it cannot be lo- just Lamar. Because I feel like when Lamar comes in and plays, then they then it's Lamar that's doing the heavy lifting from the run perspective. But then they want to be this pass offense that don't have the pass players. <laughs> and it's very weird to me. Um, so you got to – if you stick with what you're doing now at some point when Lamar comes back and continue to do this, honestly, who knows how far this team could really go. This is the bread and butter of this offense. And I know that at times they want to be something different. I don't know if that's Lamar's thing and he wants to try to be, you know, passing more. I don't know if this is Greg Roman's thing. Somebody got to come down to earth 
okay, and say, well, look, we don't have the tools right now to be what it is that we want to be from a passive perspective. So let's just do what we do well, get through these playoffs and retool in the offseason. Trying to figure out your identity in the middle of the season is ridiculous to me. It's silly to me, and it makes no sense. And I think that the Ravens just have to do what they know. And everybody knows what they know is running the football. The Steelers sat there and whined and whined and whined post-game, Cordell. You know what I know why? Because they said at 33, we knew they were going to run the football. And guess what? They did it anyway. And guess what? They were successful. So so who cares if you know that the, uh, the that they know your hand? The hand still got to get played. I've always said that. At the end of the day, I can show you my entire hand, right, and say, I'm going to run a Boston on you in spades. That don't mean I'm going to run a Boston on you in spades. It just means that I got a good hand and I'm showing it to you. I have to actually do the work. And even if you know what I'm doing, I have to be smart enough to know how to do it. So I don't care about you saying, well, the other teams expect us to run. So, so what? That's yeah. what you're good at. Stick with yeah. what you're good at. It works. Trust me. And especially when the offensive line is playing the way that they did Sunday, it's they're yep. tough to stop. You know, I, I, when we look back earlier in the season to, to the point to where we thought the run game was starting to really show itself and they were starting to realize, okay, this is who we are. It's back when the offensive line was looking elite. And that's what they look like on Sunday. As I, I really think, um, and Lar- we we talked at nauseum about what goes into Greg Roman's thought process on run-pass ratio. What is it that's taking him away from the run game? I think if you look at it, one of the main factors in when the run when he does stick with the run game is when the offensive line is having a dominant day. How much does Greg Roman trust his offensive line on that day? I think that might be what it really boils down to. Not necessarily the running back. Because like you said earlier, Kenyon Drake has been serviceable in the backfield. Justice Hill at one point was serviceable in the backfield. Um, But even their success wasn't enough for them to stick with the run game. I think it really boils down to how good is this offensive line on that day? How healthy is Ronnie Stanley? How active are these linemen going to be in in pulling and, you know, kicking out and stuff like that? How successful are are they going to be in the middle of the offensive line from right guard over to left guard? Um, Because someday they were pretty dominant. They haven't been dominant every game this season, but they've been dominant in, in, in the trenches in, in, in the interior of the offensive line more times than not. Um, so if they're going to play the way that they right. did on Sunday, you feel comfortable running the ball behind those guys, especially on those fourth and threes, third and threes. They got to get these fourth down, these fourth and short plays down packed. Too many fumbles uh, are happening. Just, you, you saw Tyler Huntley fumble the ball on the fourth and inches, albeit he's getting the ball kind of knocked out his hands by his right guard, but it's like something always happens. Yeah. You, you saw Lamar in the fourth and one, or the fourth and inches try, uh, quarterback sneak attempt, what against Jacksonville, and that one was just as bad too. Another fumble on that one. So they got to get they got to get these fourth and short yardage situations down packed. I like the Mark Andrews play where he comes in motion and he gets under the quarterback sneak or even the one where he gets behind the quarterback and pushes him in. Eventually, somebody's going to catch on to what they're doing because we've seen it a couple of times this year. Hopefully, they have some other wrinkles in there. Um, but I, I, I do think the run game can be back 
if they allow it to be that. Um, yeah. If they if if they stick with it, if they make a concerted effort to continuously call the run, um, I, I think it could be back. Um, how much wear and tear can J.K. Dobbins take? Can he take 15 carries again on a short week? We'll see. You know, maybe Gus Evans gets a little more run this week and they can kind of go more 50-50. Who knows? But if both of these guys are at their disposal, that gives me even more reason to think that this run game uh, can really revive their season. Absolutely. And that's what they need. They need they need to have some type of revival because too many times this season, it's crazy that the Ravens are not in full court out when, when you see everything that they've been through in terms of the, the defensive struggles, the offensive struggles, but the offensive struggles to me have been very fixable. And it's just, it's just them getting in their own way um, because we've seen them play at a good level, you know, throughout the season. But they, well, and I, and look, I get it. I know that at times this season, the offensive line was not what it looks like now. I know that Ronnie Stanley didn't start the season. I know that they struggled getting short yardage situations. I still would argue in fourth and shorts and four, you know, in third and shorts. But I digress, right? We've 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 grown since then. Um, right. But, you know, I understand that they weren't getting the push that they needed, but and now they're getting that. And obviously, Ronnie Stanley just makes such a world of a difference. He's so good at what he does. Mm -hmm. But I still think that, that by default, they're going to be consistent about running the football because Lamar Jackson is not there. Um, but ultimately, that's what they should have been doing anyway. And so I I'm just glad that they got back to the space because it was necessary. Yeah. And that's what's going to get you in the, in the playoffs. And that this whole notion, hopefully when Lamar comes back, you know, they have they, they have the commitment to the run game again. They're back to not, you know, depending solely on the quarterback position. Because when Lamar gets there, they like to make it they like to just depend on Superman. Um and doing that isn't gonna win you a Super Bowl. It has to be all eleven guys on the field. The best way to do that for this team is to run the ball and hope that the pass game can, you know, play off the run game with some play action and things like that. But they cannot get into this mode to where it's Lamar or die. You know, it's not healthy for him or this team's long-term success. Um, and they've got other guys on this team that may not be the best players on the field, but they can help this team. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to waste my breath asking for more Devin DuVernay. Um, it is what it is. It, it, it just is what it is. I, I, I'm I'm tired of sounding like a broken record, but they do have guys on this offense that can help them. They just have to find ways to keep them involved, keep them engaged, and get them the ball. I agree, completely agree. All right, so we'll we'll find out soon enough. Ravens play Saturday uh, against the Browns for Week 15 matchup. Before we get to our next segment, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that every time there's a new episode, you will be the first to receive it. Cordell, I think I'm about to make a very big understatement here. Um, but, yeah, we, you can find a way to, to say it better for me if you can. Um, the, Ro, the Roquan Smith impact has been phenomenal. I feel like every week 
that we've done this podcast and every Sunday that we do Pats on the Hat, Roquan has been in every single one since he's been here. I don't know if there's a week that he was not mentioned that we said had an impact in the football game since he's come to Baltimore. Uh, I, it's amazing to me how to I, – I, we talked about this early in the season. I always felt like the linebacking group was probably the weakest of the links. Mm. And now all of a sudden they've become the strength almost, you know, equally strength as the defensive front in this football team. And it's just amazing when you see how he's done, you know, extremely well. And I, I want to bring bring up a couple of stats. So I know – we're going to say, oh, you know, what is his impact on this? But I do think that there's – I mean, they were already good in this position. But the Ravens um, have 23 total takeaways, which is number two. They have 14 interceptions, which is number two. And they have a, a turnover margin of plus nine, which is number two. There's no – and we've seen Roquan have an impact in these categories. So, you know, you got to bring it up because – he has definitely played like a Raven since his trade here. And it's just been really great to see this defensive front seven play phenomenal football since he's been here. Yeah. I mean, he's come in and he's fit like a glove um, and everybody had their issues and their worries about how would this move affect Patrick queen? Would it hurt his confidence? What he want out? What's his future in Baltimore look like? I think his future in Baltimore looks pretty bright. Um, it, it would, in my in my mind, it would behoove the Ravens to try to keep these two guys together as long as they possibly can. They play so well off each other. And look, could you go and get another linebacker to play next to Patrick Queen and I mean to Roquan Smith, and you could probably have a similar impact? That's debatable. That's debatable. But when you already have something homegrown, something that you drafted in-house in Patrick Queen, um, somebody that's been a part of this organization since day one and understands your culture, understands how you guys do things, understands how your coach likes to coach. Um, you don't really want to lose that. And yeah. the fact that Roquan Smith has come in and fit so easily into this locker room or into this team, um, you, you want to keep a guy like that around, let alone the impact that he makes on the football field. The impact that he makes off the field is just as big. Um, yep. that's, that's a huge factor in my mind. So, you know, for a guy in Roquan right now that's looking for a new deal, also like Lamar represents himself, this isn't going to be, you know, a typical type of deal. We'll see what type of money he wants, probably something around $20 million uh, a year. I mean, he's going to want to be paid like an elite linebacker, and he should be. Uh, you got to pay to play. You can't want elite talent and think that these guys are going to give you a discount. He has no reason yeah. to give you a discount. His whole, you can tell that, first of all, this, I, I'm going to just shoot this down. Anybody that doesn't have an agent, you can forget them giving you a discount. Their whole reasoning, well, not the whole reasoning, but a large part in the reason for them not having an agent is so they don't have to pay that that fee, that what two, that three percent, whatever that percentage is that they get these that fifteen percent that they give to the to the agents, they don't have to do that uh, anymore. They're looking to get all their money and then some. So I would not look for any type of discount, regardless of how well it looks like he likes 
how much he likes Baltimore. I'm sure he likes it a lot. You could tell. Um, but this mm-hmm. is going to be a guy that you're going to have to you're going to have to pay to keep him around. And so be it. So be it. You want elite talent on your team. You've seen the difference that Roquan makes. Uh, it doesn't. It didn't take long to see the impact that Roquan makes out there. And he's so well liked, and he gets these guys up to play. Everybody wants to kind of follow in what he's doing. Um, and yeah. He's, he prepares so well. You go into the locker room and you see him, you know, he'll be looking at his iPad. He's talking to guys. I remember a couple of weeks ago when I was in the locker room, he's sitting next to Josh Bonds and Josh Bonds is really just schooling him on the terminology of the defense. They're looking at film. They're just sitting there, just nosing a book the entire time while the media is in the locker room. So, you know, he, he's a guy that you could tell on Sundays he studies hard and he trusts what he sees out there. Um, and he plays like a Raven. And I, I mean, he that's does. such a cliche in Baltimore, but he truly plays like a Raven. You you know the type of greats that the Ravens have had at that linebacker position. He fits that mold. I mean, he's so fast. He's physical. He's smart. You know, uh, he, he's just always ready to go. And you, you, this is a guy that, not to say he plays perfect every week, but this is a guy that makes few mistakes. Um, he's close enough. Look, he's yeah, close very enough. Close. The only reason why very we can't close. say perfect Cordell is because people are not perfect. Flat yeah, out, exactly. Right? exactly. But other I mean, than that, it's it's close enough. I, look, yeah. you better back, you back up the Brinks truck. I know we sit here and talk about what, mm-hmm. backing it up for Lamar. And I think both guys should get paid, quite frankly. You, I, I'm, I would not be okay with letting Roquan walk out of here and getting some compensatory third pick. I'm tired of y'all picking up third picks, I mean, uh, draft picks, compensatory picks like Infinity Stones, okay? I'm tired. If you want, you, you if you want to keep grabbing these draft picks, fine but use them use them to your advantage of trades use them to your advantage of getting guys that you know have impact on your football team not with the what maybes if the what ifs and all of these other things so letting him walk away and and saying well if he does leave we get a compensatory third that is not compensation flat out for what he's Mm -hmm. done already for this football team the ravens want to be competitive you got to pay guys and guys like Roquan deserves to get paid. Now, if you didn't want to pay him, why did you bring him here? Because because the loan process to me is 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 very weird, particularly when you could have loaned some offensive players to help your 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 wide receiving core that had already been struggling from a numbers perspective all season long. But I would like to think that they brought this guy here with the attempt to pay him. And people keep asking the question, well, can they afford to pay both? I don't think that that's going to be an issue because again, the cap number is going to increase. Again, there's going to be guys whose numbers are going to come off the books. There's going to be opportunities. Again, if, if you don't tag Lamar, you can, tr- you can um, sign Lamar and sign Roquan. If you, you have to assume this, if Lamar gets tagged, Cordell, it's probably going to be $43, $44 million. Imagine what you could do with $44 million against your cap for him and Roquan. It could be done. Oh, I know. It, it could definitely it could absolutely be done. Be done. So uh, make it happen because this dude is not only a great – like you already mentioned this. He's, all, he's a great player on the field. But the elevation that he has met, created around him – 
and this is probably off the field as well, has been uh, something that honestly money sometimes can't buy or, you know, or, or draft picks can't provide. Mm-hmm. That's why I stand with no, no, no doubt. I mean, he has to be, I mean, I think it's a no brainer. He's, he, he has to get brought back. I, I think that's going to be the number one thing on their to-do list is to bring him back even before Lamar, because Lamar's is just so detailed and so unique. Um, that this is going to be the easier of the two to get done. Um, not to say that it's more important, um, but you, 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 I think you can see, I mean, and like Lamar, I think both sides want each other. I still believe Lamar wants to be a Baltimore, uh, but it, it is, I think it'll be easier to get the Roquan Smith deal done. And I think Roquan wants to get it done sooner than later. Um, he do, as long as he gets his rightful value, I don't think he cares when it happens. Uh, he just wants his money. And the Ravens, you know, they, they've they seen what it's been like at that linebacker position the last couple of years. They drafted Malik Harrison with uh, Patrick Queen, and we talked a lot about Patrick Queen maybe not playing at the level that we thought he should have earlier in the season, or really earlier in his career. Um, Malik Harrison has not been the guy that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him either. So to see Roquan come in and fill that void instantly. I don't think they want to lose that. They're, they're building a defense that has a ton of playmakers, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams. Uh, you know, they, they still got David Ajabo on his way back, got Tyus Bowser out there. They want a guy like Roquan Smith next to Patrick Queen. They like that duo that they have at the second level. They like all the speed that they have on the defense right now. Um, They don't want to lose that. They don't want to lose that because they understand how hard it is to find that, whether it's free agency trade or the draft. They were able to luck up to be able to get an an elite player like Roquan Smith. Teams aren't always trading guys like Roquan Smith. And when they are trading them, they're usually not trading them to teams like the Ravens. The Ravens usually aren't even making those types of high-quality deals. So for them to swing for the fences like that and have it work the way that it has, I mean, it would be malpractice to not bring Roquan Smith back, I, I would imagine. So, you know. <laughs> malpractice. I, I think, yeah, I mean, it would, it would literally be malpractice. And Eric DaCosta has had a lot of people, you know, saying whatever about him to this point. Some of it's warranted, some of it's not. Um, this however, would be something that would do him in, I think. I don't I don't know if people how long it would take people to get over this, especially with the threat of whatever's gonna happen with Lamar. But Roquan Smith is he's a he's a number one priority to me going into the offseason right now. Be just simply because that's one that I think that they can get done quicker than the Lamar yeah. deal. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. I do think that he's a guy that you can you can you can seal up the deal um, now and then work on Lamar, you know, moving forward. Uh, but they got to make it happen. You, they have to find a way to make it happen. It's no reason why you bring a guy here and, and play with him and he learns the culture. He likes the guys here. It really feels like he likes the guys that he's playing with, that he's enjoying it. I don't know what his situation was like in Chicago. Right. I'm, so I can't speak on his experience there. But I mean, what I Chicago. am saying, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the city's lovely, right? But the organization, right. I, I don't know what I don't know what that 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 is for him. You know what I mean? But I do feel like that there's a different culture here, and and you know, the Ravens culture from a defensive perspective is a more recent, I'd like to say, in terms of like the history and 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 things of such. And I think that he fits the moniker. I feel like he fits in with the guys that he's playing. Beside, I feel like that. All of it is perfect. And with so much uncertainty with guys like Justin Houston and Calais Campbell finding, you know, coming back, you have to have a guy that you can rely on that will still be here when it all boils down to it. When those types of guys start saying, I'm going to retire, I'm going to do something different, you know, whatever. So, you know, it would really suck to have Houston, Calais, and Roquan not be back on this roster um, in 2023. Like, like that's three big losses to me, in my opinion. So you got to find a way to make that happen. You have to find a way to make sure Roquan Smith is a Raven for future years to come. Totally agree. Okay, guys, before we get into our last segment, have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, I'm not sure what you're waiting on. Cordell and myself give you all of the best analysis on your Baltimore Ravens, so make sure that you hit that subscribe button. All right, Cordell, they're, they're, so we're going into Sunday's game against the Browns, which we will have a podcast out on Friday to give our take on the Browns, but how confident do you feel going into this football game? Because obviously there's a situation of the quarterback. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with Huntley. What I do know is that the game is was six, six days away from when they played on Sunday, which to me is not a good sign of a guy that suffered a concussion to play, which then means that Anthony Brown, the third string guy who was on the practice squad prior to Sunday's game is going to make his start. So you're going into hostile territory. You know, the Browns do have players, particularly on mm -hmm. offense. And although the Browns struggled in pass, uh, uh, rush defense, they played the Ravens pretty well in that regard in their first matchup. So how confident and knowing the quarterback situation is a huge question mark. Do you think that the Ravens have in going into Sunday's game against the Browns? Um, I mean, I'm somewhat confident simply because of the defense. The defense is what okay. gives me the optimism. Um, they're going up against a Browns team that offensively looks terrible. Um, Deshaun Watson has come back and has struggled to say the least. And, I mean, that's... I mean, we that's knew that expected. that was going to happen, though, right? Yeah. I feel like yeah, that we I mean, knew that that would happen. He's, he hasn't played missed over two, two years. years. Yeah. yeah he's, he's missed over two years. Um, I, I, I still think that once he does get in a swing of things, maybe in the back end of the season, or even if it's next year, I do think he'll look a lot different than what he looks right now. Um, but right now, this is what they have. And he he doesn't look sharp right now. This is Deshaun Watson that trusts his legs more than he trusts his arm right now. And that's not the guy that we remember watching in Houston. Um, that said, they turned the ball over a lot since Deshaun Watson has returned uh, a bunch. And you mentioned earlier in the show the turnover di differential right now for this Ravens team, second in the NFL. 
Um, they turn forcing turnovers has been this defense's calling card all year. Um, that right there just gives me the optimism that they're going to be able to take care of business uh, against Cleveland. Will they be able to do it? I'm not sure yet. We'll see come Friday once we have to do predictions. Obviously, Anthony Brown potentially being their starting quarterback, most likely being their starting quarterback. It's concerning. I mean, it's concerning. I mean, this is a rookie, uh, an undrafted rookie free agent um, that we watched a lot of at training camp and rookie mini camp and preseason. And I can honestly say Anthony Brown got better throughout the training camp process. Um, I, I, I genuinely believe that. I watched this guy at the start of camp look like he had no grasp of the offense, look like he could not throw the ball to save his life. Um, and then you get into the back end of training camp and you get into the back end of preseason. And this dude is making some pretty good throws. He had a couple of nice throws in the uh, preseason game against the Cardinals. Um, and he, in, the, in the preseason as, in general, I think against the Titans, he had a couple too. So, you know, this is a guy that has a grasp on this offense. Now, he's not going to be able to do some of the things that Lamar and Tyler Huntley does as far as mobility is concerned. He has a little mobility, but he's not, he's not a fast guy. Right. I, he's not a runner. He's not right. a runner. He's more, he's, he's easily the more pocket quarterback of the three. Um, not to say he's a better pocket quarterback, but it's t- in terms of his style of play, that's what he does. He's going to try to throw the ball. He's going to sit in the pocket. Um, I don't know how much of that the Ravens are going to ask him to do simply because you don't want to put the game in his hands. I mean, it is what it is. You're down to your third string quarterback. Brett right. Hundley is the one backing him up. Brett Hundley's not great. Um, and we we heard from Harbs the other day, and he entertained the idea of activating three quarterbacks. Leads me to believe that they're going to maybe try to sign a quarterback at some point this week, or maybe they just activate uh, Lamar or somebody as that emergency third quarterback. I mean, Tyler Huntley could only be activated if he gets out of the concussion protocol. Um, I doubt Lamar ends up being the guy, even if he is activated as that emergency quarterback. I think the emergency quarterback is probably going to end up being somebody like James Roche or somebody, you know, somebody <laughs> that they could just go out there and please run some wildcat with. Or maybe, maybe it'll be Devin Duvernay. Maybe we'll get a lot of wildcat with Devin Duvernay uh, back there. But I don't know what their plan is, uh, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. But Anthony Brown being on the field, it does gives you a little bit of concern as far as what are they going to do if Cleveland is able to shut down the run? Can they count on Anthony Brown to go and put a drive together with his arm? Can they trust him to throw the ball around the field? He hasn't thrown uh, to these guys a lot. You know, this right. is the third string quarterback. He hasn't had rapport with a lot of these guys. Um, so, you know, it'll be important to see how they divide up the reps, especially if Huntley is able to practice um, with the game being on a short week. How much do you allow Huntley to eat into Anthony Brown's reps? Because this is a guy that needs basically 100 percent of the all reps, of them, all I, the I reps. would imagine right now. So um, that'll be that'll be a key decision for Harbs to make throughout the course of this week. But the Browns aren't playing well. 
you know, I don't want to dress this up more than I have to, right? The, the, the Browns aren't a good football team. Like I said, they're turning the ball over. They're not even getting to the quarterback the way that they have in the past. Um, so I, I don't know what type of Browns team is going to show up, but just because just looking at it from a Raven standpoint, yeah, the defense looks great. I have confidence in the defense. They seem to do a pretty decent job against Nick Chubb and those guys every time they play them, even though Nick Chubb had a pretty good game last time, uh, 91 yards and a touchdown. Could have had a lot more had they stuck with the run. They didn't. That just seems to be what they do when they play the Ravens. They, they abandon the run game a little bit throughout the course of the game. I have no reason to think that they won't do that again. They'll, they'll do the Ravens a favor in that. But can the offense score points? Can the offense put up numbers? Um, can they throw the ball when they have to in third down situations? That'll be the key to this game. Um, and and I'm I'm you know yes I, I obviously the situation at the uh, at the quarterback is concerning and I'm not taking that away at all. Um, you and I have talked we talked um, in preseason. You and I were you know um, at training camp and and you know that I'm a little fond of Anthony Browns. I like his arm. Yes, he doesn't have the experience. I'm not saying that this dude is a starting quarterback in the National Football League at this point, but. He has some tangible things that I like about him from a quarterback perspective. Watched him play at Oregon. So I know that there's some skill sets that he has that I like. I don't know how that that's going to translate into this type of offense because we know that both quarterbacks um, use their legs a lot more than he does. But I think that he does have some things going on. My concern, though, is what is this defense going to do? Because the first time, yes, I know Roquan wasn't there. I'm very well aware. But we, I did not forget. How Marcus Peters got really picked on in that first game, particularly the Amari Cooper matchup. And they got real lucky at the end of that game about an offensive pass interference and a real weird call at the end of the game that forced them to try to, to mm -hmm. do a field goal in which they just – that was just unrealistic at that point. Um, so I, what are you going to do? You know, Marlon Humphrey, who has been extremely – consistent and played well this year did not have a good game last week he admitted it that he was a liability in pass coverage he absolutely he didn't know where the ball was at times now look I don't know if, if Deshaun Watson is gonna have a, a, a is gonna be any better but Deshaun Watson is better than Mr. Trubisky <laughs> so I mean like you know it, it's it's I don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, I think that the offense has to just do what they do. And and hopefully you get a break from this Browns defense and what you do. You got to play bully ball. This is the time of year you play bully ball. But that defense of the Ravens, they have to find a way to not allow guys like Amari Cooper and Peoples-Jones, you know, find a way to get a rhythm. Also, you know, Njoku missed mm -hmm. um, the second half of that game, which really kind of saved him because he was on a tear prior to yeah. him, you know, getting injured. And so while we love Patrick Queen and he's played really well this year, I'm not going to see and act like Patrick Queen hasn't been a liability in coverages at times. And because that would be lying. And I don't like the lie, Cordell. Not like, <laughs> you know, purposely, you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, you got to be concerned because that, ultimately they do have weapons. I know I feel like I'm about to sound like a broken record because I feel like I said this last week about Kenny Pickett, but Deshaun Watson, like you already mentioned, does not feel look like he's comfortable. You got to make him continue that trend and not be comfortable. 
That's what's going to have to be the case here. You can't allow him to get in any type of rhythm with his receivers. So in order to do that, you got to stay in his face, get in his face at every snap. Somebody needs to be getting in his face. And, you know, the Browns offensive line is actually pretty decent. So, you know, and we know that they run the football well. So that could pose as a problem because then there's play action, right? But you just have to find a way to make sure that when Deshaun Watson drops back to try to make a pass, it ain't going to be easy. You know, at, at any moment, it's not going to be easy. So, yeah, I you know, I, I, I am concerned. And, and, and I really hope that that's what's going to be the case uh, and that the defense, once again, is going to have to find a way you know, to, to help this offense. Because, again, we don't know what the offensive situation is. I will say this, Cordell. When you don't, if it is Anthony Brown, the Browns have no film on him. And right. I always say stuff like that works in the quarterback's favor. I mm -hmm. always say that. You know, no, no he doubt. Did, he did come into the Steelers game late, right? right. But as a starter, if, if he is practicing with the ones all week and he can find some type of rhythm and figure out what works best for him, the Browns have no idea what works best for him. And that could potentially be in the favor of the Ravens. Definitely. I mean, you know, the element of surprise will be there. Um, I think that this offense will look different. They're going to call plays differently than what they normally call, considering that they don't have the same type of athlete back there at the quarterback position with Anthony Brown. Um, but it's going to look different. So this is going to be a different type of game that the Browns are going to have to prepare for. Sure, they know the run game is coming, but it doesn't make it a little easier on them to know that they don't have to be as scared of the quarterback design runs this week, maybe. But with that, it's going to come some other just run regular run running back plays uh, that they may not have seen before. Maybe they'll get a lot more interior run game from uh, from these guys. And if the interior of this offensive line is going to play the way that they did on Sunday, the Browns are going to be in trouble. Um, I will say this, though, as well. You talked about the defense and their struggles in the last game against the Browns. You're right. Uh, they gave up some deep balls. Marcus Peters did and Joku was killing them before he got hurt. Um, Donovan's Peoples Jones, he's really turned it on as of late. I mean, Amari Cooper's there and Amari Cooper's, you know, himself and he he dealt, he's dealing with a hip issue. Uh, I think he injured his hip in, the, in Sunday's game. Um, so uh, in Sunday's loss against Cincinnati, but Donovan Peoples Jones, he had himself probably the best game of the season. Eight catches on 12 targets, 114 yards. This is a, you know, this is a guy that's heating up over the over the course of this season. So I would really watch out for him because he's playing with a lot of confidence and Joku will be there over the middle. If the Browns are going to make a true commitment to the run game against the Ravens, it, it, it could be a different outcome than what Baltimore wants to see. So I really... Uh, I'm curious to see what what these two teams do, what their game plans for each other are going to be. We know they're going to run the ball, but how much are they going to run the ball? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And, and I mean, you know, the good thing is that the Ravens defense do, does not give up a lot of uh, rushing yards. And, mm -hmm. you know, they did they did fare well against the Browns as well in the first matchup. So that does work in their favor. I just need them to find a way to tighten up their pass defense this time around. Look, Marcus Williams is back. Hallelujah. So yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it plays that that makes a big difference, right? He covers the field much differently 
and 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 he and he shows you why he is he was so coveted in the offseason. So, you know, that that's the one great opportunity that they have. They just got to find a way to tighten up because last week I seen too much from them. They they was allowing Mitch, Mitch Trubisky to do too much and I think that this Browns receiving core is a much better receiving core mm-hmm. than what the Steelers have. They got to figure out a way to make this to get better in that regard. So, look, the keys here is that that make sure that that you know, you have to make sure that Deshaun Watson does not get comfortable. And you have to make sure that Anthony Brown is comfortable. I think that that, that those are the two things that you got to do. And I do think that Anthony Brown and lack of um, information about him and what he's good at is what does definitely works in the Ravens' favor. So we'll talk more about this um, for Friday's podcast. But ultimately, are you saying you think that they'll be okay? Uh, right now, I'm leaning towards I think that they'll be okay. I think it'll be similar <laughs> to what we saw on Sunday to where the defense makes the plays to win the game. Okay. All right. And we'll talk more about this again on Friday's podcast. You and I will give our takes about who we think will win the game, and uh, we'll talk about it more in detail. So we will find out in a couple days who Cordell and I think are going to win the game. I want to thank everyone so much for listening to today's podcast. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive.